Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. You guys have done a phenomenal job of supporting through season one and into season two, and I can't thank you enough. These first set of episodes are a little rough around the edges because I was still figuring out what the podcast was going to become. So if you haven't taken a listen to any of season two yet, I urge you to do that. But other than that, just strap in and enjoy the ride. We have had so much fun making this for you guys. Thank you so much. Hi, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Gordon, also known as Story of Bob. On today's episode, we have my good buddy, Kyle Thurkey, bass player from Nashville, and he's going to talk about his experiences getting to Nashville and playing on Broadway. It's a lot of fun. It is a bit longer of an episode, so I appreciate you hanging in there with us. I really think you're going to enjoy it, and I really hope to get him back to talk about some more fun road stories and some just other general shenanigans that he's been into so it'll be a lot of fun um yeah so i guess without further ado here it is all right so give me the splash page rundown of who you are where you're from and how you got to nashville uh my name is kyle thurkey i'm a bass player uh i came to nashville in 2013 i've been playing music since i was a kid Um, but before I went professional with it, I was in education, um, always played music on the side weekends, summers, but I was in education. I was a teacher for a little bit, uh, but I moved to Nashville in 2013 after a really, really bad breakup. My mom was like, we got to get you out of town. We just got to get you (laughs) somewhere. This dude, this is breakup. Like sent me in a downward spiral. It was really, really bad. And like I was only five months out of getting married and we called everything off and it was just, it was, it was bad. So my mom picked Nashville because she was like, it's a music city. You'll love it. I knew nothing about country music outside of like Texas country. Nice. Um, so yeah. All right. So you run away to Nashville, run away to Nashville <laughs> And then, and, uh, what, um, what happened when you got here? What was like your first musical? So we experience? came here for vacation. That's all it was. She wasn't trying to like move me out here. It was literally just, I want to get you away from Houston for a little bit. Gotcha. Just like you need a breather. So we came here for vacation for a week. And after being here for maybe four or five hours and we went straight to Broadway when we got here, that's where we were told to go. Actually, funny story. We landed. And we knew where our hotel was. Mm -hmm. We knew nothing about Nashville, but we knew that it was a tiny city. Everybody thinks it's a huge city. It's really not. It's tiny. And so we go to the hotel, which is in Midtown, right across from Vanderbilt, right next door to it, something like that. So we're like, where are we going to eat? We're hungry. (laughs) So we go to a Chili's of all places when we get here. We go to Chili's. And we sit down and we order drinks and we cheers. We're like, yeah, we're here. We're in Nashville. Like, we're going to go have fun. This is the first time I've ever done like a solo trip with my mom. So I was kind of excited about this. I'm a mama's boy. So I was like, all right, this will be a lot of fun. Like me and mom are going to hang and party. Like I've never really got to see this side of my mom outside of like a few like family events. So we're sitting there talking. Our waiter comes up and he's talking to us. He's like, where are you guys from? And he thought that I was like here visiting Vanderbilt. And we're like, right. no, like we came here to check out Nashville. And he's like, 
then why are you at Chili's? <laughs> right. And we're like, well, we don't know, man. We were hungry. We didn't know where to go. And he was like, all right, here's the deal. Like, finish your drinks. Go down the street. Just turn around this way. Go straight down this way. Cross over the highway. Go about half a mile or so, and you'll hit Lower Broadway. You'll see all the neon. Park anywhere around there. Here's the best place to park. It's cheapest. Okay, cool. Back in 2013, the parking wasn't that bad. It was still pretty reasonable at that time. It was still kind of a hidden gem, so to speak, around that time. Nashville didn't start getting big till like 2014, 2015. Yeah. But so we go down there, and one of the things he said was just walk up and down the street until you hear something that you like and then go into that bar. Don't just go into a bar to go into it. Well, mom wanted to go to the big purple building first. <laughs> everybody the only does. One, I won't say the name. Um, but it's she, the only one everybody's yeah, heard of. Exactly. So we go in there, and I'm not impressed at all because I had been in clubs in Houston, Texas, where I'm from, that were cleaner, bigger, nicer, better sounding. So I wasn't impressed. Right. I was kind of like, okay, but... You know, I was getting the honky-tonk experience, so to speak. So, like, all right, cool. So, we hung out in there, had a beer, and we're like, all right, next, here we go. Because, honestly, right. the band that was in there, I was not impressed. But So, we start going down the street and looking around both sides. And at that time, there's still a lot of shops. There's probably a third to half of the bars then than what there are now. Right. So... It's like bar, shop, bar, shop, restaurant, bar, shop. So now it's like bar, 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 bar. <laughs> right. So um, we're walking down and we get to a whiskey bent. My mom just like puts her arm in front of me, stops. She says, we need to go in there. She heard this guy singing. And I was like, all right. We walk in and it's this big old burly dude, long hair, big long beard. <laughs> Chris Stapleton, Jamie Johnson kind of type right. deal. Um, his name is Britt Stokes. And fantastic singer, songwriter. I mean, just all around great guy from Texas as well. So we sit down and we're listening to him. And he says that he's from Texas. And mom's like, we're staying here. I was like, all right. You know, he's good. Like, I'm I'm down. Yeah, like, we're, we're here. Like, let's <laughs> hang out. in the last place. <laughs> so, yeah. It was cleaner, nicer, like bigger bar. The, even the bartenders were nicer. So we hung out there the entire time, his whole set, probably probably about two hours left of his set when we got there. And at the time, I didn't know people played for four hours straight. Right. So he gets off, and as he's walking by, I stick my hand out. I'm like, hey, awesome show, man. Like, you sounded amazing. Just complimenting him. I said, I heard you're from Texas. We're from Texas. He's like, cool, I'm going to go count my tips. I'll be right back to talk to you. So he came back, sat down, and talked to us. And had a drink with us, and I told him my story. He told us his story. You know, both found out he was. Uh, I think he's from East Texas, I believe. I don't remember exactly where, but nonetheless, from Texas. And we just talk and hang out for a bit, and then he leaves, and he's like, "Oh, hey, by the way, my band's playing at this bar this time on Friday night." And that was at Benchmark. It, uh, it was a 10 to close gig Friday night. Nice. And we were like, okay. And we had gotten here on a Wednesday. So we we're like, all right, we got two days to like figure this out. Well, coming to Nashville, I didn't know anybody except for one person. And I really didn't know him all that much. Um, 
we grew up in the same town. He was a guitar player. And we had met one time. He was supposed to fill in for a gig for me back when we were like 18, 19 years old, right? I think it was our first year of college. He went nice. to A&M. I was at U of H. Something like that. And um, he was supposed to fill in for us. The gig never happened. It just all, Everything kind of fell through. So we were like, all right. Never really. I mean, we hung out one time. So I'm here in town. I knew he lived here. So I reached out to him. I'm like, hey. What's up, man? I'm visiting town for a couple of days. Like, you know, if you want to hang out or something, come have a drink with us. Like, yeah. hit me up. Gave him my number. I get a text message like hours later. Hey, man, it's Andrew. Where are you guys at? I've just got off work. I'll come meet you. Uh, so it's my buddy Andrew Shaver, guitar player. Awesome, awesome guitar player and, and uh, producer. But... He came and hung out with us, and we had drinks at one bar, and then went down to another bar, had shots of moonshine, and we were sitting talking, and I was like, man, this town is just unreal. Like, I can't believe these guys just play all day. Right. Literally just from 10 o'clock in the morning to 2 a.m., like, this is just blows my mind that people are just playing all day, and the four-hour shifts, and they can play anything and everything, and he's like, yeah, I do a couple of these gigs here and there, and I was like, that's cool as shit. Like, I would love to do that. And so I kind of told him my story, how I went through the breakup and you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, kind of, I mean, I, I didn't really have anything anchoring me down anymore. So like at this point now I'm kind of like, can I move here? Like I, right. I want to be here. Like I knew I wanted to be here, but I was like, could, could I move here? Like, is that even possible? Right. So later that evening, my mom was like, Hey, I'm going to go back to the hotel. Like I'm done partying. And Shaver's like, hey, man, my house is just like a mile down the road. We can go back there and drink and hang out. Uh, I can show you some of my studio stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, yeah. And so, like, we're going back to this place, and he's telling me that he has a spare bedroom and that he could rent it out. They were looking for a third roommate anyway. So if I was wanting to move here, like, hey. And at the time, it was like the wheels all, start turning. All, bills, <laughs> all bills to live here, sharing, you know, being a roommate, sharing a house with somebody, it was like $300 for everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it was in just on the other side of Germantown across the street from eighth. And I was like, it's a little, it's a little ghetto, but yeah, like I just need to get out of Houston. Yeah, let's do this. So I had a, a job at Academy sports and outdoors at the time in Houston. And I found out that there were four around the Nashville area. So I went to the Franklin location like the next day, met their manager. was like, hey, I'm trying to move here. I already found a place to live. I work with you guys in Houston. Like, could I transfer you to all store? Do you have any department open? I don't care. Like, I just need a job. And he was like, yeah, yeah, actually, I do have a, a spot open. I'll call your manager. We'll talk. And so they did that. So after being here for three days, four days, maybe, I found a place to live and a job. That's and my, amazing. And I wasn't even like done with my vacation yet. So the rest of the vacation was just kind of like exploring the city with my mom, hanging out, partying. Um, but that Friday, the thing that like sucked me in is we went to Brit's gig mm -hmm. and they're playing and Brit saw me. And so he's like, Hey, this is my bass player, Jerry. Uh, Kyle plays bass as well. Da, da, da. And so we start talking like halfway through the gig Jerry calls me over and he's like, Hey, you play bass, right? And I was like, yeah, 
you want to play some songs? I said, no. Because <laughs> at that point in my life, I had never worked with a band that didn't rehearse first. Right. I had never, never done any kind of jam session, never just jumped in with people outside of like, you know, jamming in my living room or something, but n- not in front of a crowd of people on a Friday night in a steady gig. Right. And they're all, I was like, man, I, I can't. He's like, oh, come on, come on. You said you're a bass player. Like, what songs do you know? And I was like, none. Because like, at the time I did pretty much all originals. I didn't know a lot of covers. The only covers that I knew on bass of like country covers at the time were Folsom Prison. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the other ones we did. It was Folsom Prison and... Tom Petty. Okay. And so we did uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. That's the Tom Petty song we did. There was, there, I did three, and I was so nervous the entire time. And I I screwed up. Like, I I know it didn't sound good. At that time, I was not the player that I am today either. Like, at all. At, at all. I grew up in a punk rock scene. I knew a little bit about music theory from when I was in middle school right. playing in school band. But... Outside of that, everything that I learned was by ear. I I played by ear. I didn't know much. So I do these gigs, and they're like, oh, you're really good. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. And uh, they were they were super nice. And, uh, you know, they were like, man, you know, if you're thinking about moving here, you, sh- you should give it a shot. And I was like, okay. So after hopping up with them and playing with them, those three songs, and getting off stage and just like, seeing the crowd's reaction, just how, just how people were in this town. Like nobody was judging me that I couldn't play very well or that I was, you know, they just called me up to do it. It was so random, but they were like, this is awesome. And I was like, Hey, this is awesome. <laughs> so I got off stage and I was just like glowing. And I was like, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. So turns out while I'm here, I find out that, Another buddy of mine lived here that I had no idea he lived here. He is a drummer. His name's Grady Saxman. Uh, Grady and I never played together, but we were in the same band at different times. Oh, neat. Um, so I was in it before he was, like when the band was like first starting, before they were anything at all. And so we, we had several interactions with each other. And then when I was in another band, Where Vegas Lies, we had a recording space, studio space, down the hall from there, rehearsal recording space. So, again, we saw each other like two or three times a week. So when I found out he was living here, I reached out to him. He was like, oh, I'm playing at Rippy's Rooftop. Come see me. And I think that was our last night here. So I went up to Rippy's and saw him. And this was probably some of the best advice I got. I was talking to him. I was like, hey, man, you know, I found a place to live and I found a job. You know, I really want to come here and like play on Broadway, doing what you're doing. And at the time he did Broadway, I think only a couple days a week. But he was mainly into recording studio stuff and, and touring. So he looked at me and he goes, look, there's one piece of advice I can give you if you want to play down here is learn the Nashville number system. Mm hmm. And then play and learn every song you possibly can. I said, well, what songs? Do you have like a song list? And he goes, every number one through number three hit. Yep. Go learn them. And I was like, okay. And um, 
I didn't know what the Nashville number system was. Again, I didn't know much about like a whole lot about music theory at the time. And so uh, I went home and even at that time going online and trying to dig up that kind of research there, there wasn't anything out there about the Nashville number system, not like publicly. Right. Um, I did find a Nashville Broadway set list through um, the wonderful purple building on their website. They, they did have that. So when I got back to Texas uh, from our trip, I immediately went to my piano and I started learning piano and trying to understand music theory and different keys. And I don't play piano. I can dabble around on it. I understand it. Yeah. But I'm not like fluent on it at all. Same. So um, it helped me understand music theory a little bit better. And I read a bunch of books, watched a bunch of videos. Thank God for YouTube. Um, and then I took that list that I found on their website and I just went down it from the very first song. And uh, actually, the very first song was Dixieland Delight. Nice. And here's to show you a difference of a player I was then to a player I am now. I sat down with Dixieland Delight, and it literally took me four days to figure that song out. Oh, wow. Not just figure out what key it's in, but how to play it and all like all the changes. Cause that song does have quite a few changes in it and it does have the key change, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through it and then it speeds up and slows down. And so I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to figure this out now today. Fast forward almost nine years later, people throw a song on me on stage. I've never heard a day in my life and I can play it. I don't want to say flawlessly, but like, we can play it and it sounds decent, you know? They don't know that no, you've yeah. never heard it. Yeah, so uh, so the nine-year difference of being here, it went from, like, one song would take me four days to learn to I have a song down in, like, 30 seconds that I le- literally learned on stage, never heard a day in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I... Give, that, that might, that'll give you an idea where where I was. I'll get questions like that on occasion, like how how can you play a song that you don't you haven't learned, and it's it's all pattern recognition, like yes, like you if you understand what kind of song it is, which you can figure out in just a handful of seconds. If you know who the artist is, you know what kind of song it is, you know what key it's in, you know the handful of patterns that you have to choose from. Yeah, and then from that point, it's just oh, well, this fits. So that was something that really helped with me uh, when I moved here is just sitting down and, and playing through songs over and over and over and over and over again, different songs, different things. Shaver. So Andrew Shaver, uh, everybody calls him Shaver or Bob, if you know him, um, which is your name, funny enough. <laughs> so um, he would literally come into my room every day and either hand me a different CD or, or yeah, usually he'd hand me a CD. Sometimes he would send me like an MP3 track or something, but he would usually hand me a CD and say, learn this song. He would, I don't know if he was just picking random songs or like a specific song that he was like, Hey, I want to like see how you do with this. Shaver taught guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. And so he knew that I was like trying to really learn and become a better player. Um, not that I was a shitty player, but I just, at that time, I was not cut out for Nashville. I'll tell you that now. Yeah. Not at all. Like, And I'll get to my first gig here in a minute because it came up very shortly after I, I moved here. So um, 
backtrack real quick. After the vacation, I went home, got the approval to switch my job. Um, I had a teaching job that was coming up to sign up for a contract, and I got out of that. Uh, they supported me a lot. I was only home for like three weeks, I think, before okay. I moved here. It was very quick. Very quick. Um, so... I moved up here, literally packed everything. My dad and mom like helped me move up here. They drove everything, moved in with Shaver, was living with him. And I was working Monday through Friday. I had a really good gig. Uh, it was 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. But I had the weekends off, which was, oh nice as for us musicians, is ideal. Like, right. That couldn't have been better. And I was getting paid really well. They let me keep my pay from my other store so i was still getting paid very well so at the time i was like all right like this is this is awesome um so i'm working that job for a while and like i said every day shaver would come in hand me a different song learn this learn that and a lot of it wasn't even country it was just i mean he's giving me like dave matthews and oh wow okay like uh, foo fighters and just I mean, there there were a couple. There was a Brad Paisley song thrown in there, but it was it was mostly like rock stuff. Shaver and I were both rockers, so that's pro. I don't know exactly. What, again, I don't know why he gave me the songs that he did, but he just would give me random songs and say, "Learn this," and I would. And I, to me, it helped a lot more with my ear training, which was wonderful. But I was here for, I think, two months. four months i was here for four months and i'm at work shaver calls me says hey my bass player can't make it uh tonight's gig it was a friday he's like my bass player can't make it tonight he's stuck out on the road he's touring with somebody else could you jump in and fill in i was like dude i don't know any of these songs he's like as soon as you get home from work today we'll go over everything i'll chart everything out and i'll show you everything i was like bro i can't read charts He's like, it's easy. I'll show you how to do it. It's the national number system. Again, not going back to the national number right. system. I knew nothing about the number system. So I'm like, okay. Like, I don't, it's going to be a lot. Luckily, so, it makes sense. <laughs> so I get home about 1.30 and him and I just sit down and the gig was at 8 o'clock and it was an hour south in Nashville. So we had to leave at like 6 o'clock, I think. And so for about four or five hours, Shaver and I are just sitting there and he is charting out songs for me chord sheets just doing whatever he could do to help me get through this gig um and i'm going over songs i like i've never heard before like the ones that i at least heard i was like okay i can at least read the chart know how the song goes let's go over the songs i don't know at all right so that's what we started doing and we didn't get through everything of course not so we go to the gig and I'm not going to say anything about the bar. I'm, I'm just not. It's, it's just, <laughs> I'll say this. It was very Southern. It was fair. very Southern. Very fair. And um, played the gig. And in my eyes, it went absolutely horrible. And I actually found some video not too long ago from that first gig. And, yep, it went exactly how I thought it did. It went horrible. <laughs> and, um, you know, everybody that was in the band was very supportive and, and the guitar players helped me as much as they could get through the gig. And, you know, everybody was just thankful that I filled in. Yeah. And the whole gig, I was sitting there just apologizing the entire time. Like, Sorry, guys, I don't know these songs. Like, I'm still new here. I'm still trying to learn all this. Like, this is I, this is still new to me because um, I didn't do what a lot of kids did where they, like, were, like, 
the guitar virtuoso of their town. Like, you know, right. been playing guitar since they were like four years old. They know every scale and note and every song. And no, that wasn't me when I moved here. And I, and I knew that I knew what I was coming into. The reason I wanted to come to Nashville is just cause I wanted to be surrounded by the music. Yes. I wanted to be surrounded by these people that were so welcoming into the music scene where the Houston, Texas music scene, it's not welcoming. Everybody there, if you don't have a degree in music, they don't want to talk to you. Mm. And outside of symphony work and a couple studios, there's not a whole lot of full-time music work. Right. So at least me coming here, I was like, all right, I can figure out how this goes and maybe get into the full-time music world. But if not, I do still have my day job, so no big deal. So, anywho, back to this gig. We do the gig. I'm apologizing. We get we all get drunk at the gig. I mean, we were all... I was 25 at the time. All the guys were somewhere around 21 to 22. So, you know, a younger band. We were just drinking and having a good time. Everybody was just appreciative that I did the gig. Right. Um, so, a couple weeks later, the same thing kind of happens. Shaver calls me mid-gig and he's like, Hey, man, I got a gig up in Pennsylvania. And I'm like cool I can't do that I got a day job and he goes we'll be back Sunday the only thing is is we have to leave tonight and it was uh, it was Thursday okay and I was like bro I gotta work tomorrow morning he's like did you come to Nashville to work or to play music and that's something I'll never forget that conversation he goes did you come to Nashville to work or to play music I said I came here to play music he goes then you find a way to get off your job so I go to my manager my manager was super cool he was very supportive of musicians and so I told him what was going on he's like yeah man I'll give you he's like you've been busting your ass here for a couple months he's like I'll give you a day off I was like hell yeah thanks man so I went home and now by this time I'd been going over their whole set list and as much as I could learning a lot of the songs I had the majority of the stuff down I had the guys originals down um so I get home and we go over some more songs the best we could we pack my car full of shavers equipment and my equipment because the band had already left yeah. Shaver was like, hey, you and I can just drive up together. And my car got better gas mileage. We're like, oh, screw it. We'll take my car. We'll split gas. We'll go up there. He's like, you're going to get paid really well. Don't worry about it. I'm like, all right, cool. So we take a 12-hour, 13-hour trip up to Pennsylvania. And uh, we go to uh, Bucks County and, and played a gig at uh, a bar. I don't think it's still standing anymore. I think it was called Wagon Wheel. Nice. <laughs> And it was a little biker bar, and it was a bunch of old bikers, and we're playing like, you know, anywhere from '90s country to modern day country. So it's it's '90s country to rock country to bro country. I mean, it's just different. It was a very uh, we're getting some mixed reactions for sure. <laughs> uh, heard free bar, free bar for the heard free bird yelled a lot, so that oh, yeah. was fun. Um, that. That was my first time being on the receiving end of that. I'd always <laughs> like, you know, I'd always like heard I'd been in the crowd listening to people yell it at the bands, but I had never been on a receiving end of that before, so that was kind of new to me. Um and someone tipped for it, so we played it. <laughs> and um the next day, you know, we turned around and drove to the next venue in Pennsylvania. It was on the other side of Pennsylvania. And at the time I had no idea how big Pennsylvania was. <laughs> That's a pretty big state, man. Like going from one side to the other, I was like, damn, I feel like I'm in Texas again. Like, holy crap. Um, 
so we we played a gig uh, there that night and turned around and drove home the next day and I was back by Sunday night and that was my first like Nashville tour run and both the shows were great uh, the second gig was definitely a real venue <laughs> it wasn't we weren't just like set up in the corner of a bar but you nice. know again when when you're a small band up and coming you're gonna do that you're gonna be playing in the corner of a bar somewhere and then you yep. might be playing a big venue you never know um so that those are my first two nashville gigs and then after that that's when it just like it really clicked inside of me mm-hmm. i was like all right i i need to just hammer down so at that point, I already had the Nashville number system down. I had completely learned like music theory basics. Like I was becoming a real musician now at this point, right. not just some dude with like music tattoos tattooed on my body being a poser. I actually understood music for the, I don't say the first time in my life, but like I truly, truly understood music theory uh, and like got the concept. So I just, I just started hammering down. I'd, I'd go to work and every day I'd come home and I'd practice for three to four hours because that's what people were playing downtown. So I was trying to get my body used to playing that long because before I had never played for more than 45 minutes. Right. So going from 45 minutes to four hours, it's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to condition my hands to being able to do that as well as wearing a nine pound base around your neck. Um, And then I would go to the gym at night and I would repeat the process. So it would wake up, go to work, come home rehearse practice go to the gym shower sleep repeat i did that every day and then on the weekends i went and spent time on broadway some weekends i just got smashed i'm not gonna lie i just got hammered down there you're you're partying having fun but most of the weekends and still in my phone i actually if you scroll down far enough in my notes there's lists of songs okay here's all the songs that everybody's playing these three bars they played these same songs um so, you know, okay, people tipped the most for these songs. And that's, I was literally sitting down there watching what these bands were doing. How is every band working? How does every bar work? I literally went bar to bar to bar to bar. Just crazy. It's crazy. I would spend 12 hours down on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I remember one weekend calling up my mom because at the time I had a credit card connected to her account. It was my card, but it was connected to her account. And I just, I was spending the whole day at the bar. I was just like racking up this credit card. And I called her. I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. I was like, I spent all this money. (laughs) (laughs) But I promise it's for work. I'm doing it for research. And she's like, you're hanging out at the bars drinking. I was like, yes, but no. (laughs) So, uh, and, and I was. But I, I really was researching and paying attention and, and studying what these guys were doing. And, of course, Britt's band played down there, so I'd go and see him. And Shaver was in a band that he would play in, and so I'd go see all them. And and the same thing would happen. I'd go and I'd see my friends, and they'd be, hey, come up and play a couple songs because people want a break. You they have playing to pee. For, Yeah, you <laughs> play for four hours. Like I don't get some of these bars like, no, you cannot take a break. It's like, bro, I can't hold my bladder for that long. I'm I've had a couple kidney stones in my life. I know some females that have had, have had kids like you can't hold your bladder for that long. Like sometimes I can, sometimes I can't told somebody one time, look, look, I can pee here or I can pee in the bathroom. You get to choose. (laughs) So thankfully the bars that I play at are totally cool with, you know, us like swapping out and taking breaks here and there as long as the music keeps going, which is good. But so I just, 
that band, Shaver's band, that uh, you know had called me out. I ended up um, playing with them full time, and it was literally every weekend we were touring. Every weekend we were in different states and cities, and uh, it was most. I'm not gonna lie, it was mostly up north in Pennsylvania because that's where my singer was from. That so makes he sense. had a lot of. But I mean. I was coming home with a lot of money every weekend. At least at that time, to me, what we were making was a lot of money. And it was almost double of what I was getting weekly at my job. So I was like, this is incredible. Right. So, um, yeah, I I think for my first three years, all I did was tour. I, I didn't touch Broadway. I didn't touch Broadway. I didn't go near it as a player for the simple fact that I was scared of it. Yeah. I would make up any other reason. I would tell you any other reason. Oh, Broadway's stupid. That's where musicians go to die. Blah, 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 blah. Which is a complete and utter lie. Um, at least in my opinion. I was terrified of it. I was terrified. I knew the level of musicianship down there. And I had been around it just hanging out and listening to them talk and how they were. I was like, I, I can't hang. There's no way I can hang. So for my first three years, I just toured. and But in these touring gigs that I was doing, I was still playing three and four hour shows at these bars right. out of state. So I was still doing the Broadway thing, just not being not on judged by the Broadway people. Right. And by Broadway people, I mean the engineers, the musicians, the bartenders. They all three judge us. Oh, they God, all yes. do. It it is what it is, you know. So I I was terrified of it, and it wasn't until after I got married that uh, that I my next door neighbor actually um, was playing at Legends and they needed a bass player. And they were like, "Hey man, do you want to come do this?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, sure." <laughs> <laughs> and I just did it. I kind of threw myself into that fire, and I did the first gig, and it went really well. And thankfully, we had a piano player that, like, he, he sat facing the band. So if there was a song I didn't know, he would just throw up numbers with one of his hands. And so that helped me get through a few songs that I didn't know. But I actually, by that time, I knew way more music than I realized. Mm-hmm. So I got more comfortable. And I was like, well, this is only every Monday. I tour on the weekends, and I'm here Monday. So I'll just tour Thursday through Sunday. Yeah, Thursday through Sunday, technically. Play Monday, and then have the next couple of days off. Because now, by this point, I'm no longer working a day job. I'm doing music just full-time. Yeah. So it took me about four years or so to go music full-time being here. Okay. Uh, mainly, I just I had bills. I, I wanted work, and I wanted a steady income. And I had I had a lot of debt that I was trying to work down. So once I got the debt down and everything, I got somewhere comfortable. Uh, at that time, I was now like married and had a significant other so that was there was a lot of help with the bills and stuff and she was very supportive about me going and playing and kind of picking up the slack where it needed to be because she had a really good steady job um so at that point i kind of made a decision it was in 2018 i was like uh i think i'm done with the road Mm mm-hmm um, it's been, it was great. It taught me a lot. I got to tour all over the world, uh, Spain, uh, Portugal, uh, the UK, Afghanistan, 
uh, Dubai. I mean, I, I've been all over the United States, not all 50 states, but somewhere around like 30 plus I'm states. missing two, Hawaii so, and Alaska. So uh, I might actually be going to Alaska at some point this year. Um, I'm not super excited about that. <laughs> uh, I don't like the cold at all. Right. And I don't know. Alaska is just not my thing personally. It's just not like I think – I'm sure it's beautiful and all, and I, I'll go. Don't get me wrong. I'll right. go. I will do it one time. That That's kind of where i was I'm like at. the Afghanistan thing. I was in active war zones playing music for the military. I did it one time. I don't think I'll ever do it again. <laughs> I went and did other bases that weren't in war zones. But right. Like the Afghanistan thing, like an active war zone. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I did it once. It was cool. It was an experience. I can talk about it for the rest of my life. I'm good. <laughs> Just let that one be a memory. So, <laughs> so Alaska will be the same way. But yeah, I, I've I've 30 plus states and you know different countries around the world, and it it was awesome. But I didn't feel like I was growing as a musician anymore. I feel like I, I felt like I was stuck and I was at a plateau. So. Um, at that point I was already playing Broadway. So I was like, well, what if I just kind of dip my foot in the water a little bit more? So that's when I started getting on the Facebook pages, not going to name any of those either. <laughs> I started getting on the Facebook pages those and, are interesting. And, and looking for gigs. Um, I love my peeps, but man, <laughs> you get more than three or four of us together and there's drama. End of discussion. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. And they love it. They live off of it. And it's hilarious. I, I get a kick out of it, but, um, yeah. So I started getting on those pages and, and I think looking my for gigs. favorite page posts are the ones that are like, I'm not going to name any names, but this happened. And then 15 other people are like, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've made one of those posts. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have. Pretty sure mine was about a venue and everybody knew exactly who I was talking about. This is what, like two weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no, but, still dealing with that one. <laughs> I'm not. I'll never play that venue again. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm blessed and lucky that I have some steady gigs. And uh-huh. I've busted my butt to get to where I'm at for sure. Um, I, I really have. I, I've just worked with a lot of people. And I've found who that I like working with that I can stand being around. And really that's what a lot of it comes down to is – are you a cool hang? Can you hang? Yeah, you can be a good player, but are you a good hang? Man, everybody and, says that, but I feel like it still goes way overlooked. Like, Oh, it does. You only have to be this good of a player. Anything from there, it's totally who you are. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I learned. And again, like, I don't hold a candle to half these guys in town. Same. I, I don't. Same. And I, I'm aware of that, and I know that. And there's gigs I won't take because of that reason that I'm like, I'm not on y'all's level and I don't want to keep y'all from being able to play certain songs or do certain things. Don't get me wrong. I'm working to get to that. I'm still trying. Absolutely. There's still songs, notes, things that I have that I'm like, okay, here's the things I need to go work on personally as a musician. And I'm getting better, but again, it all it, it takes time, especially now that this has become full time for me. You know, I, I play anywhere from six to 15 gigs a week. So a lot of time I get home and the last thing I want to do is pick up my instrument. Right. And that's terrible because I know guys that can literally play all day and that's awesome. 
unfortunately, my mind is not wired that way. Same. So I come home and I'm like, okay, well, I have to take care of these things and this and this and this. And I love to work out. It is working out is my drug of choice. It's also my therapy. So like, I have to do that daily. If I miss more than two days a week, I like, I go, I literally go insane. So there's things that I have to do more or less for my mental health. And so like playing four to eight hours a day and then coming home, like, all right, well, I got to work on five hours of music. I, I can't, I just, I, I can't. Yeah. No, I'm saying, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been a blessing and a curse. I love my job. I wouldn't change it for the world. I would never go back to teaching. I would never go back to a warehouse. I don't want to ever go back to lawn care or construction. Like, <laughs> yeah, please just let me play my bass. What what song do you want to hear? Baby by Justin Bieber. You got it. We're let's do it. What still better than like, the alternative? You know, it is. It is. It's totally better. It's it's amazing. So yeah, once I got on Broadway, it's just like dipped my foot out there and just started playing full time. I don't want to say things fell into my lap, but they kind of did. I mean, that seems like, to be how it, it happens. It's just, Hey, can you fill in for me here? And, that and then it turns into getting me gig. getting the gig because either a, they weren't happy with that player or B that player was going on to something else and just mm-hmm. needed somebody to fill that spot. And that's how I got on with Sweet Leah. And then when all this stuff went down with them, that's how I got on at the Valentine and uh, the Whiskey Jam Roadshow circuit. And it just, it was a domino effect, just one after the other. And the main thing that I've really taken away from this town is it is about who you know. Oh, absolutely. It it really is because until I started getting my foot out there and meeting these people and and becoming friends with the bar managers, Mm -hmm. that's... Y'all, you want some advice? Here's the advice I'm going to give you. Make friends with the bar managers. Don't go sit there and party all day, but make friends with the bar managers. Yeah. Just so that when they see you on the street, they're excited to see you because then when they need something, they're either A, going to think of you, or B, when you need something, you can go into them and they can be like, you know what, I can, I can help you out. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing is most people, I'd say 90% of the people in this town they're really willing to help others succeed. Yes. And that was something that really drew me to this town was that they, I mean, I was playing with members of Blake Shelton's band for a while and those guys just Bo and Philip, just amazing human beings, amazing musicians, but amazing human beings. Yeah. They, always wanted to help me in the best ways as a musician. No, And I've noticed all of like the top tier and I mean like super phenomenal players that have the best gigs. They're also the best people. Kenny Chesney's entire crew, his band and his entire crew. There's not one of them that I I don't like. I mean, they're the sweetest people on earth and I didn't have a K like I forgot a cable and we were opening a show up in, in Michigan. Um, I think it was Michigan. I think that was the show. I, I don't I don't remember exactly where it was, but Kenny's whole crew was like we were using all of their equipment, their stage, everything. And they were playing the next night. We were playing the first night. We were one of the opening acts. I forgot a cable. And I was like, I, I just shouted to uh, Shaver. I was like, hey, man, do you have a quarter inch? And he's like, I, I got to go look in my case. And I was like, hey, I got you, man. Don't worry. Just like tossed me a quarter inch. Mm-hmm. Like. 
just, hey, don't worry, I got you, and literally tossed it to me, and I was just like, that's never happened before. Like, You definitely don't get so, that in, like, small town yeah, cover band groups. <laughs> you know, just people just, just helping you because everybody wants the show to go f- as flawless as possible. Right. I don't think any shows are flawless. I mean, they may look that way from the outside, but if you're on that backside, no show is flawless. Something's going down. Somebody's in-ear pack isn't working. Somebody's cable busted. One of the lights isn't working. A monitor's... Something isn't working. Right. Something. Doesn't, it could be something small or something big. Something's not working. Nothing's flawless. Right. But they will make sure that everything that's going on on that stage looks flawless to the audience. And that's something that I appreciate. I 100% see myself more as a performer than a musician. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you play with me, you know. Minus, that's, that's, minus our Wednesday gig because that's the one gig I get to relax on. Right. <laughs> Every other gig, I'm not a front man. I'm not even a side man, but you know that I'm there. Oh yeah. You you know who I am and you know that I'm there. And it's just be it's it's nothing more than the fact that I just love to entertain people. I love to do something on stage that's gonna make whoever's out in that crowd smile and yes. forget about what's going on in yes. their life. If I can make you forget about what's going on in your life for three hours, my job's done. And that is my favorite part of playing with you. Yeah, like it's musically, we get along great. Oh, and we, that's a we huge very plus. Well. We gel very but well together. The the performance aspect, the entertainment aspect. I feel like a lot of players they start to lose that after a little bit of time. Well, and playing with somebody that can help keep my energy up too, like it's such a bonus. You know, and I I don't to anybody that happens to listen to this that I do play with. If I ever step on your toes, if you feel like I'm stepping on your toes, it's nothing against you. I'm watching the crowd. I want to make sure that crowd is engaged the whole time. So if you're trying to figure out a song or something, you turn around for three seconds and I'm giving a toast or just doing something to engage that crowd. All I'm trying to do is engage that crowd and make sure that they stay entertained mm-hmm. while you figure out whatever it is that you're trying to do. And that was one of the things that the girls from Sweet Leah loved about me when we were all playing together is... They pulled me aside. It was like our third or fourth gig, and they were like, "Can you please be more interactive with the crowd? Like you, you're you're so good with it when we're trying to figure some stuff out. Like, like just don't don't overdo it, but you know, like do it." So that that was that was kind of cool. And I've had several artists kind of do the same thing. Like, hey man, like yeah, like whenever I'm not like talking, if if you feel like you need to say something, like by all means, like do your thing. And that that's been really cool because I've never been, I've never been the guy with the microphone. Right. Not necessarily the front man, but I've never been the guy with the microphone. I've never had the voice on stage. I've always just kind of been the guy that rocks out in yep. the back. And so now doing the Broadway thing, and a lot of it actually came from playing Broadway. Just you want to keep people's attention for four hours. And, and I mean, that's how you we keep work. We work engaged. for tips. <laughs> we work for tips. So. My job is to make sure that you're happy, you're smiling, and that you're going to stay in that bar and keep giving us money and the bar money. Right. Because as long as that bar's making money, they're going to want to keep us. And if we're making money, we definitely want to stay. Right. Like, so it, a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people just go up there and they're like, well, I played all the songs that I wanted. You're right. You did. And you played them awesome, flawlessly, but you stood there with zero emotion at all. Mm-hmm. Music's emotional. All of it doesn't matter what it is. Music is emotion, 
and the people that are coming in are not musicians. So they're seeing the music as a universal language and they're able, the songs they're requesting, they're most likely requesting because either A, it's their favorite song, right. or B, it's something that they super, super emotionally connect to, which is generally why it's their favorite song. So I want to give them the best no, and i've said countless times like if i'm talking to an artist like the biggest piece of advice i could give any artist that performs is however you feel on stage is how they're going to feel off stage so yep. if you're up there having a blast and putting on a show and like enjoying being there they will enjoy it if you're up there working then they're not out there partying yeah i don't i don't solo i don't do anything flashy as far as my playing goes but I make a presence on stage. I run around. I have a good time. I smile. I try to sing every word to every song I can. Even songs that I don't like, I still go and try and learn the lyrics just yeah. so I can mouth them to the audience. I'll go and stand on tables, balance on railings, jump out windows. Whatever I have to do that I know they're going to go, well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That, I, hey, you remember that band we went and saw in Nashville? The dude jumped out the window? Like, they're going to remember that. Right. They're not going to remember. Hey, remember that band that played Chicken Fried? You mean the 17 bands we saw that all played it? That's what I'm going for. Is right. I want people to be like, do you remember that dude that did that or that band that did that? They're here for an experience. Well, I mean, how many times have you worked with a high-energy band that's super fun and you get five or six compliments by the end of the night. It's like, you're the best band we've seen. And the five bands you could hear, way better players. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Man, there's there's guys downtown that I absolutely love. I think they're just beast of players. Uh-huh. I can only watch them for so long. Right. And that's, that's, that's with a musical mind. Like, you understand how talented they are, and you still can't take it for an entire shift. Like, if you don't know music, you can only comprehend so much I of mean, it. I mean, there's certain players I simply won't play because they don't... I simply won't play. There's certain players I simply won't call to play because they don't do anything. Yeah. Amazing players. They don't do anything. But there's also people that won't call me for two reasons. One, when I'm on stage, people know that I'm on stage. I got cut off sleeves, tattoos, and a mohawk. People notice me. <laughs> right. Um, two, sometimes my playing just isn't for those people. They want a more technical player. They want a guy that sits back and chills. And I get that. And 100%, a lot of those gigs that they do call me, I won't take them. But I will be like, hey, I can't do this, but so-and-so, check them out. They might be a better fit. See, it took me way longer to figure that out than... I really think it should have. I tried so long to be everybody's player that like it, it got frustrating. Like I you couldn't never will be. keep anybody happy at that point. But after losing a couple gigs, cause I couldn't do the thing that they needed the way they wanted me to. I realized that like, if I just play like me and I play the way I play, I will find the people that that works for them. Yeah. And those gigs, have been a lot more fun and a lot more lucrative. Yeah. So when I first moved here, I was kind of doing the same thing. I was like, well, I want to be able to play with everybody. So I even like, I changed my appearance. Mm -hmm. I, I 
you know, I'm a rocker. I, I've been wearing all black since I was in high school. Like, right. You know, band shirts and crazy hair and this and that. And then when I moved here and I started playing with all these country bands, I'm like, well, I was from Texas. So I already had boots. Like, you just, you just, I feel like in Texas you're born and you're given boots and guns and they're like, here you go. So... Um, Two major food groups. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, I just... I went and bought some shirts and, you know, got a nice clean haircut and cleaned the beard up real nice and got me a, a jazz bass because everybody in town was playing jazz basses. I didn't... I did the five string for a little bit because everybody was like, oh, you need a five string. To all you five string players out there, I love you, but no, I'm not doing the five string thing, guys. <laughs> not happening. But yeah, um, I have some. I don't play them live. Um, learning who you are as a player is so incredibly important. It is, especially in this town. Um, once you do that, not only do the gigs come to you, but it's just it's a little bit easier to find the gigs well, because and, you, and you, you find you find that group of people. You're like, cool, I fit here. Normally, I don't think anybody would ever put Noah Tellish and myself in the same room together. Nope. <laughs> but. Noah and I have had this conversation several times, and I trust the guy, so I, I hope he's telling me the truth when he says this, but we enjoy playing with with each other. Mm-hmm. We just, there, there's no stress. It just, it rolls. He can throw me anything, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Right. I don't, I'll look at him like, I mean, you see it every Wednesday. I've never heard this song. He'll play it, and he'll be like, it's in this key, and I'm like, cool, let's let's roll with it, you know? Yeah. We do it, and usually he'll, it works. He'll out either well. he'll either say never again, or okay, wasn't bad, you know. Like so, where there's some players in town that like if you don't know a song, they they like freak out on you, mm-hmm. and you know it's like I know a lot of songs, but I also play with a lot of different people, and everybody's set list is different. Even though yes, you have the same standards, everybody plays what they want to play, right? Because. Yeah, we're up there because we love to entertain, but we're also up there because we love to play music. And we're up there for four to eight hours, some 12, some 16 hours a day. So what do we want to do? We want to play what we like. So we kind of develop our own set list and our own show. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, you know, Noah I mean, does not. Noah flies by the seat of his pants, and that's one of the reasons why I love his gigs, because they generally go by quicker, because uh-huh. uh, we never know what the hell we're doing. And it it makes it a little more fun, and it challenges you, and that's another reason why I I was so so upset when I did give up that Monday gig. Because uh, another reason I love playing with him is I'm challenged every time I play with him. Yeah, um, which is phenomenal. I want that. I I want to be challenged when I play with people now. Where before I was scared of that. Where no, now I, I'm definitely challenged. Not always musically, but I'm definitely <laughs> challenged. <laughs> I mean, we're all musicians, so we're all a little challenged. There's <laughs> definitely that. I'm just gonna put it like that. Um, no, I, 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 our ideology on basically everything is polar opposite, and he likes to tell me about it. <laughs> well, trust me, I, I'm right there with you when it comes to that, man. I mean, 
I don't believe in societal norms and I don't believe um, in really what most other people believe in. So, um, Noah and I have some very interesting conversations, but we respect the hell out of each other and oh, neither yeah. one of us has ever rude to each other. So I, I love the guy. He's great. So, but yeah, man, uh, it's been one crazy hell of a ride. These, these last eight nine years that's for sure i've i've been blessed i've been screwed that's one thing i don't think i've talked about is i've been screwed over more than i've been blessed that's for sure same and i you know we don't talk about that a lot because nobody wants to talk about downfalls and the bad times and this and that like you want to hear the good times but i've been fired from several gigs mm-hmm. i've walked into a hotel room and from outside the door for 15 minutes, listen to a band bash me. Oh, wow. And then had to, then confronted them minutes later, then had to sleep in that same hotel room, then had to drive eight hours back from yeah. this, from yeah. another state here with those guys. Definitely been there. Um, I worked with a guy again, no names, but, uh, uh, they hired, uh, I went to a, jam audition thing they basically hired me on the spot um they were just starting to pick up road gigs it was a pretty fresh band but um they didn't have a pa and about half the gigs we were booking we needed a pa so we made a deal i had the money up front so i could go get the pa and we had a huge gig it was a corporate thing we were getting paid like eight grand so i paid 2500 for the pa and the deal was when we got paid at the gig that he was going to pay me back well instead of paying me back from the gig he decided that it would be easier on him and better for us if he paid me a couple hundred dollars a month and i kind of went with it because like i'm in the band we're touring together whatever and then fast forward like three months i quit the band and so i packed up my pa that he had paid approximately four hundred dollars on and i left and only thing I heard from then on is how I stole his PA. Yeah, so that's another, I guess, piece of advice I could give people or tell people. Um, not that anybody needs my advice. It's completely unsolicited, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. Um, if you're in a band, you know, it's one thing if you guys grew up together and you've been playing together for 10 years and you're absolute best friends and you're, you're going into the whole thing as an investment because you guys are equally making the same amount of money. Cool. You want to go in and you want to put your own money towards that. Awesome. If you were touring around with people, especially people you just met or, or people you've only known for a little while or, or whatever, if they buy a piece of equipment, they buy a van or a trailer or this and that, that should never let me repeat that. That should never jeopardize your pay. Correct. I've been in a couple different bands where it's, oh, we have a band van and it's not paid off yet. So, so I know your take is is two fifty for this show, but we didn't make as much as, as we thought. So, I have to take a hundred dollars out of your pay because we got to pay the insurance and and the and the the car payment for the van. Nope. Yo, bro, I'm not. I'm not in your band. Like you chose to buy that van the way you did. Like that's not. That's not on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I just walked into this, or I was in a band, 
and we decided halfway through that we were going to buy a band van. So we all agreed mm-hmm. we were going to do a string of runs and that one one of these weekends, the whole weekend, that pay was going to go towards the van. I thought that was fair. Like yeah. we all were, we all agreed on it. We made a budget. Like we we're like, okay, we're making this much money. These shows, da da da. And some of the shows, like we did make tips, so that kind of helped out a little bit too. And we did that. But then after that, every time there was an incident with the van, the engine died, the transmission went out twice, the mm-hmm. ball joints broke. Driving down the highway, I mean, almost crashed into an eighteen wheeler. We had so many problems with this van, <laughs> but every month it was, "Hey, this show is going to go towards the van." This show, at that point, I was doing music full time, so I'm like, "Hey, that's taking money out of my pocket." I know you have a day job, I don't. This is now my full time job, right? And so many people, and we were talking about this earlier. So many people that have day jobs whether it's part-time or full-time in my eyes from what i have seen those people that do that do not take this nearly as serious as somebody like you and i where this is our full income what we do our only only job only source of income they're not so worried about how many tips they make or, or what they're really doing on stage because well it's not their main job they're here. They're here for fun, right. which is cool. I'm glad. I want everybody to have fun on stage. I want you to have fun and be here for a fun time. Yeah, no, it, it's not necessarily a negative thing, you, but it's a different thing than to, when you need it. You need to recognize if you are one of those people that you're not the only one on that stage, and that there's other people on that stage that rely so much about what's coming from that show. Yeah, and so many people just don't see that, and it's. It's sad. It's an ego thing. Um, I've dealt with it a lot recently. Same. And, you know, some people just don't, they, they'll never see their ego and it is what it is. And, you know, I also do have to remember that I'm expendable and at any given time they can replace me if I say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. So yep. a lot of times I just kind of shut my mouth and. I might try to give my advice here and there, especially if I've been doing the scene, like Broadway. If I've been doing Broadway longer than you have or I've been touring longer than you have, I have a little bit more experience, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not 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 that everybody. I mean, there's guys, same thing. They'll be like, hey, don't do this on stage or do this. You know, like they have more experience. Yeah. They know what works. So I try to really that, relay that information to people. And I try to do it in the most professional, nicest way I can. But when you give anybody what I've noticed, especially musicians, artists, when you give them constructive criticism, it's like a slap in the face. Yes. That's not what I'm trying to do. But you would think in an industry full of rejection, we would get used to it eventually. (laughs) Hey, um, more unsolicited advice. If you don't like rejection... Do not become a musician, especially in Nashville. And it's just it's, it's, it's not just there. the obvious rejection of like not getting the gig or not getting hired or whatever. Like you get rejected from random ass people who are like, "Oh, so you're a musician and don't have a day job, so you're poor." Oh, that's my favorite. Man, I've argued like with so many people who like see, 
my income. And they're still like, well, you should I, get a day job. I still have people from high school that'll like message me or comment on uh, social media and they'll, hey, man, I see you're still doing the music thing. Da, 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 da. So what are you going to do when that's over? What, Die. <laughs> what, what do you, what, what do you like? Is music going to stop? Is it going to be like stop being played live and being created? Like even for instance, even when the entire country shut us down, the government was like, you can't go anywhere. We were still doing things. Mm -hmm. We were doing live streams. We were putting out new music as musicians. We were still creating like it didn't stop us. You're not going to stop me. I may not be making any money. You're not going to stop me. Right. I'm just very blessed that I get to make money while doing this. (laughs) Right. And it's like, it's good money. Like we're not scrounging at the bottom of the barrel just to survive most of the time. Yeah. Like it's good money. I mean, as long as it's not like November through February, you're okay. Right. But you learn that really quick and you put back summer money for winter. Yeah. No, man. I tell people that all the time. They're like, oh yeah, I've only been playing Broadway for like a couple months. Save your money. Yeah. And they're like, they're buying custom built guitars and this and that. And I tell them like, Hey man, are you putting any money away? Like, and I was never good with saving. I'm not going to act like I'm some like financial guru here or anything. Man, I was terrible with my money. Right. But let me tell you what. You figure that shit out. (laughs) When I literally was eating nothing but peanut butter and jelly for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And thinking, damn, peanut butter's expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Like... (laughs) Only being able to put in $10 worth of gas in your car, which nowadays is only like a gallon and a half. Um, you know, when you get to those levels and you're like, what am I going to do? Like I went through a divorce last year and it was right after COVID. So everything was still shut down. I had no job. I had no income. My government assistance wasn't coming in anymore. Like I was literally living off savings. Mm-hmm. And... I ended up going back to work in construction for a little bit, but I was literally living off savings until music came back full time. But again, music came back. I came back around. It didn't end. It's not going to end. Right. I ain't going anywhere. Like the tornado came through. It didn't kill me. COVID came through. It didn't kill me. Like until this shit kills me, I'm like doing it. <laughs> it's, you it's die. A, this is, this is a life sentence, you know? Um, For for me, it is you know unless you like take away my hands, my ability to play, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be doing this until the day I die. Now I don't want to be playing Broadway until the day I die. Absolutely not. Um, Broadway, it's temporary. But then again, most things in life are. So to me, I'm like, okay, can I do Broadway for five to ten years? Can can I make that a, a living? Unfortunately, I can't give an answer to that because we see how how much Broadway fluctuates. Right. So I know that I can do it at least for another two years for sure. Mm-hmm. I can do another two years on Broadway, but then maybe I want to go back out on the road. Maybe I want to do studio time. Maybe I want to start building something. I don't know. I'm never going to stop playing music. Right. I'm never going to stop playing live shows until my body and back and legs are like, haha, you can't jump around and kick and dance and do- I'm still going to be on that stage. Uh, I went and saw Rob Zombie. What year was this? I don't know. What, 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 does it say a year on the back of this? Uh, I don't 
don't see one now. Okay. Whatever year this shirt's from, like 2016, 2017. Rob Zombie's at that time, I guess was early 50s, right around 50, somewhere around there. I don't even know how old he is now. He was doing in leather pants, straight up high kicks. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm, I'm sitting there going, all right, if he can do this. Like, he's in shape. He's not, like, any crazy, wicked good shape, but, like, he takes care of himself. Yeah. But if he can still be on stage dancing around like that for an hour and a half every night or at least four nights a week, well, shit, I can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm not. I'm half his age. I'm like, yeah, I can. Okay, I can do that. So if he can do that at 50-something years old, I'm going to make sure that I can do something like that at 50-something years right. old. You know? So... I'm hoping by then that, yeah, I'm on a tour bus and I'm living the glamorous musician life, how whatever glamorous that is. I don't even right. know. Um, <coughs> yeah, the goal would be have a band that I am on a payroll with that I don't have to worry about where my end comes and I still get to play my gigs. But if that doesn't ever come, it's not going to stop me from playing a show. Like, right. I'm going to keep playing, keep playing, keep playing as until literally until I can't. For I mean, whatever no the reason may option. be. I mean, no. if if I have to go a couple weeks without playing a show, like I'm like not okay. I'm I'm angry, I'm miserable, like I'm the not okay. gets you. Yeah, it's I mean, I hate to say it like this, but if you take away crack from a crackhead, like we have the same kind of feeling like it's just like you're taking away everything. You're taking away our oxygen. You're taking away everything we have. We don't get to do what we we want to do. Like it sucks. It absolutely sucks. It really does. There's only been a couple. I mean, outside of COVID, outside of that year, there's only been maybe a month or so at a time I would go without playing a gig. And every single one of those months, maybe like three or four, over the past couple of years. Every single one of those months, I would go into a huge depression. Yes, and it would all come down to it would all come down to just, I wasn't playing. Everything else in my life would be the exact same. I could have the same amount of money coming in or more. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not on that stage playing, I go into this huge depression. And I like hate life. So I get that way too. Yeah. If I feel like I'm not progressing anywhere, if I'm yeah. not feeling like I'm either performing better or getting better shows or more shows or like my career is getting better in some way I fall into that too yeah and you know thanks again I've, I've been very blessed with the gigs I have and I have residencies in town so I get to play with a lot of people and so yeah my gigs are steady and it's become a, a day job and so there are some times where I'm like oh I'm going to work but again it's better than the alternative But yeah, I. It's not the final destination. No. There's there's a no. lot of things that I want to accomplish musically and in my career. That I mean, Broadway's great, but that's not where it's at. So sometimes the shows it sucks because you can't. Sometimes the shows just aren't there. Sometimes the gigs aren't there. A bunch of people might be back in town from touring, so the spot you may have is is filled by somebody else because everybody has their preferred players. So, like, sometimes the gigs just aren't there and it sucks and you can't do much about it other than just kind of beg for gigs and hopes that you get one. Um, As far as the 
progressing as a musician musician this is something that i've struggled with a lot the last year um just because i've been playing so much and like i said mm-hmm. then i come home and i don't want to practice and rehearse i make sure that i'm like okay what song have you struggled with right what what's what's a song that gets played requested a lot that you just don't know very well okay go listen to that song and then play it a whole bunch and then I won't go over any more songs. I'll do just that one song a day, mm-hmm. and then it's okay. What scale do you want to work on? What me like? For for instance, me, I don't like soloing. I'm not good at it. My brain as a bass player doesn't compute that way. Right. I lock in. I I lock in with a drummer. I I'm I'm there this to lay is a the foundation. Groove, copy and paste. Here's my groove. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so when you want me to do something that is outside of a groove, and yes, I know you can solo in a groove and yada, yada, yada. I get that as part of soloing. My mind doesn't quite compute that way. So something that I've kind of been working on recently is I'll just turn on like a jazz track or something. Where it's just like, it's just background guitar and, and drums, just something that there's no bass. And this is in the key of E. Okay. And I'll just start playing over that to kind of sing how how do you solo i know that sounds really stupid of me to say but well and i mean i, it, I never a, came from thing. yeah it, it is i never came from that kind of style of playing mm-hmm. i literally was like for me growing up it was learn your part play your part you're a bass player right now being in this town i see that yeah bass players are more than just bass players and this and that. i get that yeah yeah but in my mind, the way it works for me is it's you're a bass player there for a foundation. And honestly, nobody really wants to hear a bass player solo, not even most bass players. So, I mean, and there's, I mean, there's some that are great, like Ty Swallow. I don't know if you know Ty, bass player in I town. I know of him. Dude blows my mind. <laughs> I watch and hear him play. He's only been here for like a year. He's from Louisiana. He's fantastic. But... A dude blows my mind, and great buddy of mine. We're we're, we're great pals. He's he's a cool dude, but man, like, I don't ever want to follow him up <laughs> ever, dude. Like, I don't even want to sit in a jam session with him. Like, he just he's so good, but he's a jazz guy. Yeah, you know, and jazz, jazz fusion, any any form of jazz. Those players are amazing, and I. I don't get jazz, man. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Again, I come, I come from hard rock, punk rock, you know, metal. So, I, I understand music and writing and putting songs together. But man, I just don't understand jazz. See, I've, I've done a little <laughs> bit of jazz stuff. Like I've done, I, I was in a couple of jazz bands back home and like in school and stuff. But I still, I always approach it as like a contemporary drummer. So like I'm playing a hard backbeat, and I mean I'm I'm rocking through jazz tunes. So it's never really been like I I never really dove in and understood jazz drumming as its own language. I just implied my language on top of it. Yeah. I It's outside my realm. It's outside my wheelhouse. It's it's outside what I understand musically. And I've done online courses and workshops and I get it. Like I'm not stupid when it comes to it or ignorant, right. however you want to call it, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use. Um, it's just, it's just not my thing. It's just like, 
you give Noah a guitar and tell him to play a bunch of 80s rock or, or metal, he's not going to know what to do. But right. he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal country picker and player. Uh-huh. I mean, you give him any country song and he don't struggle at all. Right. I mean, and he could very easily do the, the rock stuff. Yeah. He, he just doesn't think like that. Right, right. And and I don't either. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that him and I do like working together is like we bring different elements to the mm-hmm. table and, and it helps on stage. Well, I mean, even in a, a personality context, because you have a more outgoing personality and you can add more energy like he feeds off of that because he doesn't produce his own. Right. And it's, it's funny to say, cause I was just listening to y'all's podcast earlier today. Uh, um, and he was talking about how he's an introvert. Right. And it's funny because honestly I am too. Same. I really am an introvert. Um, uh, I try not to be a homebody, but it's a lot easier for me to be a homebody. I, I am the, I like, I like to go outside. I like to bike and, and kayak and I love riding my motorcycle. But again, those are all things I can do by myself. Right. Um, I may not be like necessarily introverted as into staying in the house, but I am very introverted. I, I go to a restaurant by myself. I'll go, I'll go drive around by myself. I do things by myself. Um, it's always been that way. But like you said, being on stage is a safe place. Yes. Um, it is it's, to me. It's the same thing. I tell people that all the time. You give me a bass guitar and a microphone and put me on stage. I'm golden. Mm hmm. It may take me a minute to figure out the crowd, but I'm I, I'm still good. You take all of that away from me and put me in with that crowd. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act. I, I, I clam up. I, I have anxiety and panic attacks. I, big crowds of people, which is funny because I'm going to a huge festival uh, in September. This one, louder than life, but it's outdoors you know it's it's open so it's it's different but like inside bars venues clubs like no it's, it's, very much the if same. i'm not on stage man i want to be back behind the sound booth or like somewhere away from the people yes 100 percent. yes that is me spot on like when when i when i join a band for the first time if i don't know the majority of the band I'm very quiet on stage. I'm very reserved. Um, it's not until I get to know people that, that I come out of my shell, and uh, which a lot of people they're like, I don't see that with you at all. You're so talkative and active. I'm like, yeah, that's because you're around me with my people. Right. You put me away from my people. I'm still a nice person. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yes. So yeah, uh, the stage is most definitely a safe place for me and. It has always been a place for me that I can express myself and I'm kind of contradicting what I said earlier because I said that we're always being judged on stage, but it's the one place that I can express express myself and not feel judgment. Yes. I know I'm being judged. I don't necessarily feel that. For instance, the other night, there was actually a group of people right next to me sitting on a table to the side of the stage that they were pointing directly at me and laughing. Mm-hmm. And I would look at them and they would like, look, like we made eye contact. Like I knew what they were doing. I don't know what, maybe I did something. Maybe I said, I don't know why they were laughing, but I literally just kept telling myself, you can keep laughing on me, but I'm still on this stage making money while exactly. you're sitting there spending it. That's, that's so the, like. 
that's that's where where normally if I was sitting at a table with friends or something and someone across the way is pointing the whole time I'm gonna be sitting why are they pointing at me? Why are they? I, I need to go talk. Like, what's going on? Right. That's where mine goes. When I'm on stage, it's completely different. I don't point and laugh all you want. Guess what? I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's my thing. On stage, I'm special. Like, I, I'm, I mean, not, I'm not Bob, you're better. Always special. <laughs> I'm not better, but like, I'm special. So, you making fun of me is part of what I'm going for. Like, I'm entertaining you still. Like, it may be like negative I said, or bro, whatever. I got. I got a tall I'm mohawk. In, like, right? I know I'm going to get pointed at. And, like, dude, I walk into a room. For instance, I'm going to say a bar here just because it'll paint a picture. Walk into Old Red. Uh-huh. Old Red is, in my opinion, a. I don't want to say higher class establishment, but it's a, a it's a nicer it's establishment. Definitely trying to be <laughs> like it. It's very clean. It is very proper. It is corporate run. It you know so there's rules and regulations. It's not just a honky tonk. Uh, even though I can get on stage and kind of say and do just about anything I want, just about. But um, I walk into that room, no sleeves tattooed up mohawk all black with a band that clearly looks like they're a country band Mm -hmm. i literally watch people point at me and talk about me i do not care please do because guess what i'm gonna get up on stage i'm gonna rock your face off and by the end of this show you're gonna come up to me and be like that was fun or other words, I don't know. But <laughs> either you know, way, you got their attention. I you can tell me that I suck, or you can tell me it was the best show you've seen in your life. But guess what? At the end of the day, you came up to me while I'm on that stage, and you said something. Mm-hmm. I made an impact on your life. Hopefully, it was a good one. May not necessarily have been. Hopefully, it was. But nonetheless, yeah. It that's that that's how I feel, man. It's yeah. playing off of that though. One of the easiest ways to ruin my night is if you are on stage with me and embarrass me on stage. Done deal. I'm gonna embarrass like, you every time now. That's that's no. It, it's but, it's happening now. Okay. I'm I'm gonna well, dig out your dirtiest, darkest secrets, Bob. Here we go. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I, 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 we don't have time I, for I that say today. Say most of them publicly, anyway. So. <laughs> I say all mine on the microphone. Then nobody can say anything to me. They're right. Like, they try to make fun of me. Like, yeah, well, I I said that five so minutes I ago. I just told you that. But no, like 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 on stage is a safe bubble, and if somebody in my safe bubble breaks that bubble, like I'm ruined. Mm-hmm. Like that whole experience is negative. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, I, I've been on stage with some people that are just negative, and that's the thing. Please don't be negative on stage, people. Just don't. Negativity spreads. So does positivity. But when you're negative, it just brings down the whole band. Like, be positive. Be happy. I'm not talking about the people like joke negatively here and there. Like for Noah. <laughs> Noah, I'm gonna straight up say it. Noah, yes, he can be somewhat of a downer or whatever. But on it, like on stage though, like his presence is still happy. Yeah. Like the, when he says things, people are laughing. They're engaged. I'm talking about the people that get up there. And just like, 
man, my day just really sucked today. And then they just like bitch about their day. It's like when you walk in, like when you clearly know when you they walk don't into Dollar General and you go to pay for something and the cashier before they even start rigging it up starts just telling you about how terrible their day was. And you're like, yo, bro, I just want to buy this candy bar. Can you like wrap it up? And the next thing you know, you're there for like 15 minutes because they're still yeah. telling you about their day. And you're like, hey, man, I don't want the candy bar anymore. See you later. <laughs> right. Don't be that person on stage. Um, no, yeah. I don't really know where I was going with that one. No, don't, that, don't, that's a don't fact. do that I person mean, on stage. That, that's a great way to ruin everybody's night, crowd included. Oh, 100%, man. And if something happens on stage, cause there's been several times where, like, something will happen and I'll get pissed off, whether equipment doesn't work right or whatever. I'm still, like, I may be upset for that moment, and I may be upset the entire gig. But you fight through it. But I will not show it more than that split second moment that I was upset. The rest of the gig, I am happy making sure that crowd's happy and five people or fifteen hundred people, like I'm I'm gonna make you think that I'm having the best time of my life up on that stage. Yep. I mean there I can't again, because it is a it is a, a day job to me, so to speak. Yes, there are some gigs where I'm just exhausted and tired. It's generally my morning shifts. But yep. um, you know, you play doubles and triples some weekends by that second and third gig, and you've already played one one or two high energy gigs. Like you're you're tired. I'm still gonna smile. I may be tired. I'm still gonna smile. <laughs> yeah, you give everything you got, even if you ain't got much. <laughs> and I ain't got much, man. I ain't got much. I'm I'm a I'm a bass player from Houston, Texas, that has literally taught himself almost everything that he knows as far as it comes musically. And I don't I don't have, hold a candle to anybody in town. But you know what? I'm going to have the most fucking fun on stage out of yeah. anybody on that stage. Like, I, I will. And I, that is why I love playing with you. That I, I spreads. Will, I will run around like a chicken with my head cut off. I will make fun of myself. I will say the most inappropriate and most screwed up jokes. I make fun of my ex-wife, who is probably one of the, like the sweetest people on earth. But I will still crack jokes because it gets people laughing. Yeah. I constantly make fun of myself and my shortcomings all the time on stage. Gets you laughing, but it also shows people that cause a lot of people, they have this idea of musicians, especially when they come to Nashville, mm-hmm. that we're like something special. And even though our our mommies tell us we're special, it's not the kind of special that you think we are. So uh, when you can say those things that show that you are a normal day-to-day person that has the same normal day-to-day problems as everybody else, like... They become comfortable. They laugh. That's what they, they want to hear. That's right. why people like Luke Combs is great. Great singer, great songwriter. Why is he so popular? Because 90% of his crowd relates 100% to him. Yes, absolutely. That's why he blew up the way he did. He is a blue collar big boy that loves to drink beer. That's 99% of country music's fan base. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. That's that's one of the reasons I liked the dude. You know, I was like, I was like this dude's great. He's not, he's not a product of Nashville. He's a human being sharing his stories. Yep. So, you know, products of Nashville, I don't pay much attention to. The ones that that aren't products of it, I pay more attention to, and I can, I personally feel that I can relate more to them. 
even though my, my, my life may be vastly different because you're a human being and have the same feelings and emotions I do, I can relate to you. Right. So. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that we, I did a podcast not too long ago where we talked a lot about authenticity and how like when you're on stage, you're, you're over exaggerating your character oh, but it's 100%. still gotta be you you gotta be you as a human you're just adding a little bit of star power on top yeah. of it so um that was that was something i was uh explaining to my my current girlfriend is she, she does burlesque dancing and performing and with me being on stage that was something we talked about is our characters. Yeah. I've always like literally played a character on stage Mm -hmm. until the last year and a half. Okay. Now I am on stage and I'm literally exactly who I am and who I want to be. Yeah. I embellish it. Don't get me wrong. I embellish it hundred percent, but I was, (laughs) was getting ready for a gig the other day and I looked myself in the mirror and I just kind of looked myself up and down, my whole outfit. For one, my outfit was on point that day. <laughs> my hair was, like, perfect. It was just, I looked good and I felt really good about myself. Yeah. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, you know, you, you're you finally being you on stage. You're not going up there playing a part anymore. You're finally being you. And uh, so going back to... My girlfriend heard burlesque dancing and playing a character. Uh, we were talking about that because I made that comment that I was like, I am who I am on. Like, I am me. She goes, yeah, but you're still playing a character. Mm-hmm. She goes, because when you're not on stage, you're not bouncing around, screaming at the top of your lo-. She goes, you're still a character. You're still playing a part. The difference and is, though, is that character is you. It, it is. And I'm because it's me. I'm so confident and so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of what I was trying to get at is I have now developed this character. Yeah, it's it's still me, but it's a it's a character that is so confident on stage. It's it's insane to me. I yeah. Yeah, I, I use uh I, I use the uh analogy a lot. It's like if you had to play you in a movie about you, you would Oh, over man. embellish the things oh, that man. make you you oh yeah and oh. that's what you do on stage you play I never thought about it you. that way man oh i would have the craziest character <laughs> right dude i would have the craziest outfit <laughs> see now my mind's going somewhere else <laughs> Three weeks from now, you're going to have a whole screenplay written. <laughs> hey, man, um, no lie. I've always wanted to write two different books, and I've always wanted to do a, a movie or a screenplay. Yeah. Uh, and, nice. like, literally about my lives, but I was like, nobody would ever watch this or, or read this. But if I really, like, embellished it and turned it into a story, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. So the idea I've had, because I've, I've toyed around with the idea of writing a book, and I've read a handful of books that are presented kind of like diary entries. And I thought about doing something like that, but it's of a touring drummer. And I'll take like all of the the best experiences or the craziest experiences I've had, tweak them a little bit, and make that the book. And I feel like I would read that. 
See, so actually, I don't want to say too much because I kind of am in the works of it, but I have a, a podcast that for years I've had this idea that kind of goes off of a, a, a whole oh, yeah? idea of, of something like that. So will I actually get around to, to recording the episodes and doing the things that I want to? Probably not, but I, I want to one day. <laughs> I mean... Podcasts are fun. <laughs> they are, but the problem with me sitting down and doing it and staying on track, and even I know I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast and be like, oh, I was all over the place. Even like when I started, I was like, I don't know what to say, and now I won't shut up. That's that's how I am. You get me talking, and I won't shut that's up. That's my but at favorite first, part about this. <laughs> but at first, I'm always like, when you're like, tell me about yourself. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I'm Kyle from Texas. I don't even think I said where I was from, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I yeah, it was the beginning of this podcast was awkward for me. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I don't know what to do. What do I do now? And then so. all of a sudden, it's, oh wait, there was this one time. Yeah. And then this time followed that. I'm telling you, like, that's the thing. Dude, you get me talking, and I won't shut up. Yeah. Like, but it takes a minute to get me talking. A lot Same. of times, I am quiet until you can get me talking. Once I'm comfortable, especially you, you're one of my friends, so it's a little bit easier. But it always takes a second at first. But, yeah, I yeah. will definitely, which, speaking of, I do got to get going. Yeah. But, yeah, I, as, like I said, I didn't think we were going to be in here for, like, 30 minutes. And it's been. <laughs> it's like an hour and a half good, or something. Yeah, something of that nature. So, yeah, so, yeah we'll go ahead and wrap up. But, um, I mean, clearly you could keep talking. So we should probably think we'll about do another doing one. this again. We'll definitely do another one for sure. For sure. Hopefully I'll start off um, not so awkward on the next time. <laughs> start off with, hey, do you know what happened to me last night? Because Well, maybe next time. So I, I listen to a few podcasts where it's actually uh, one of them is two guys talking uh, just like this uh-huh. day to day. Or not day to day, but they do it a couple times a week. But they literally bring bulletin points to like kind of help keep them on track. Yeah. And I thought about doing that today, but I was like, I don't even know what we're going to be talking about. Well, that's the thing. I usually try to have like a topic in mind, whether it's like, you know, how Broadway works or like the different groups of clubs or whatever. Just like some kind of topic that we can talk about. But like, I don't know, with this one, it, I've, I just kind of. Once we got into it, I was like, well, we don't really need a topic because this is smooth and this is kind of... Because Kyle, Kyle just rants and doesn't <laughs> shut up. And we'll, we'll talk about all kinds of random things that I think I know about that I don't actually know about. Here's another thing. A lot of things that I say, man, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean... I, I talk out of my ass so much and I know it and it, it is what it is. But, you know, I... I only know what I know from my personal experiences, and so... And, I mean, clearly it's working, because you're playing, you're fun to play with, I enjoy it, I'm, anyway. I think I'm doing something right. You know, you say that, but I know that there's there's at least three people in town that I can think of, and I know that you know one of them, that they're going to say the opposite about me. No, so. there's, there's definitely people in town that don't enjoy playing with me, because I've been fired. So, <laughs> I mean... Well, at least, at least you've been fired. They just don't even, like, call me anymore, which I guess that's a, a term of firing. Ghosting is now the way of firing people. But, yeah, I'll just get, like, deleted off Facebook, yeah. Instagram, and nobody will ever call me until they need my tax information. No, my favorite one, my absolutely favorite one is when for like three weeks in a row, they're like, oh, you're my full-time guy. You're my full-time guy. And then you don't hear from them for a couple weeks. And then you're like, hey, do we have any gigs? Says, oh, well, uh, I've got a full-time guy now. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yep, I've been in those situations. But yeah, let's let's wrap this up. But we'll definitely we'll do another one, and uh, I'll when we do that one, I'll dig into more of my like touring because I can yeah, just like fun. maybe share. I, know, some I threw out a lot of like random information. I was trying to go from like start to finish, and I was like, man, there's just so yeah. much. So, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll plan it out and see, kind of definitely what subjects we want to cover. But yeah. I, I definitely appreciate you coming and doing yeah, man. this. Thanks it's, for having uh, me. This is this is fun. I definitely want to do it again. And uh, like I said, I think when we come in next time, I got some I got some fun road stories. A lot of my a lot of my good stories are from the road and touring and just sharing some of those experiences for me are are probably some of the coolest. Like this this some of the coolest shit that I've ever done. Yeah. So I mean, when when you tour. I know a lot of us like joke about, oh, when we're on the road, all we ever see is the back of a chair and the the pilot restroom and a subway. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yeah, that's ninety <laughs> so percent of it. It's a good majority of it, but like getting to go to like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Paisley Park or or when Five Guys get super freaking bored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it, there's 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 a lot of cool things there. But yeah, we'll we'll definitely wrap this up but we'll talk about that next time for sure all right man well i greatly appreciate it and uh yeah we'll definitely make this a thing cool bob thanks hey guys thanks so much for hanging out with us and listening to the show i hope you had as much fun as i did um definitely hoping to get kyle back on for another couple episodes he's got a great personality and i think it'd be a whole lot of fun a little bit more house cleaning. We are still doing the promo code NOBODIES for the Music City Drum Show. That will get you 10% off the ticket price. So just go to their website and just remember to put that in right before you check out. Um, I'm also about to start my fundraiser for the Breast Cancer Can Stick It Drumathon. So I'm trying to come up with some fun and clever ideas for that. So if you have anything, please reach out to the podcast. Um, we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. And then all of my socials are available as well. That's Story of Bob or Story of Bob Music pretty much everywhere. Um, So, yeah, I guess as always, don't forget to tip your bartender and never forget to tip your band.